Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. The radio and TV version of the show air in over 12 states. This includes both coasts and Silicon Valley. The show also airs in the UK, Caribbean, and Australia. For full show times, plus past episodes of the TV and radio show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. We just launched a free online community to connect past guests, listeners, and others. This community will allow you to network, chat on Slack, or get help with anything else, and a lot more. If you're interested in joining the community, buying some merch, sponsoring the show, or signing up for the newsletter, please go to buildingthefutureshow.com. I want to invite all of you in the Building the Future community to join me at SUPEX, the Startup Expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this July 26th, where I'll be the MC. SUPEX is one of the largest and best startup conferences in the U.S. and the official gathering of the Building the Future community this summer. SUPEX has cutting-edge content, a cool startup competition, and a half-day forum this year called Hashtag Women for Women, the largest gathering in the U.S. in 2018 of angel groups, seed funds, and BC funds focused on female founders and female entrepreneurs. For more information, visit www.sup-x.org. I hope to see all my Building the Future friends there. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Andrew Jewett. He's a founder and co-CEO at Aperture Real Estate and Property Coin. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing is actually quite innovative in, in a space that maybe isn't necessarily known for being the most innovative. I, I think uh, you know the real estate industry is getting a lot better. Um, but maybe before we get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Um, but yeah, I grew up, I grew up just outside of Boston, actually. Um, you you know, just kind of grew up a Northeast boy. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of stayed up there to be honest with you for, for my entire life until after college. Um, played, uh, played hockey. Just out of curiosity. So I was a, uh, a finance major. Um, okay. I went to a small school just outside of Boston um, called Babson uh, okay. University or Babson College. Okay. And uh, I was a member of the hockey team there. So okay. uh, very cool. For your for your listeners based out of Edmonton, I apologize that our Bruins are uh, so much farther <laughs> along uh, this year. Yeah, we had but, a terrible uh, season. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, and then I uh, went to Wall Street after that, um, working for a company called Greenwich Capital that was um, subsequently bought by the Royal Bank of Scotland oh, cool. um, and focused on the residential real estate and mortgage space um, for, God, uh, 12 years, I think. Okay. Um, and and so uh, that's actually where I met my co-founder and our CTO. Uh, so we all worked for that team uh, focused on residential real estate and and the mortgage world um, you know through the through the crisis and some of the dark days of the uh, the the financial distress that happened here in the United States and especially as it related to real estate but um, but yeah and then and then after that my uh, my partner Matt and I uh, both actually went over to the largest operator of um, you know fix and flip assets in the United States where we ran capital markets for them okay. um, and we're part of the senior management team there so it's funny because aperture is now my third company with uh, working with Matt my co-founder That's cool. um, and you know we yeah we, we work quite well together uh, we're, we definitely have a very uh, you know yin and yang uh, relationship where we can kind of cover each other's, um, you know, maybe deficiencies isn't the right word, but we, we definitely fill in the gaps where one person is lacking. And, sure. and um, well, you know, yeah, you guys have different of, strengths, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, and then, you know, uh, I can tell you about Aperture, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my background. Uh, Boston boy, born and raised, uh, you know. Sure, how? What, miss it, but um, we're living in California right now, so it's, it's not so bad. Yeah, especially weather wise. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, walk me through kind of your journey west and, and how did Aperture become uh, a thing? Yeah, so like I said, we were, Matt and I were um, moved west to uh, run capital markets and oh, okay. be part of the senior okay. management that team. Sense. Okay. So that that's what, yeah, that's what brought us to California. And then, um, you know, we just saw, we saw an opportunity to really leverage technology and data in the way, you know, properties are acquired, especially distressed properties are acquired. 
uh, in the United States, and that's that's where we. Um, that's what you know. You mentioned real estate being kind of uh, you know incredibly behind the times, or or maybe uh, slow to catch up. But I think we've seen this this trend in real estate of of people, you know, not necessarily utilizing data and technology to its fullest, sure. and and that that really is the thesis behind Aperture is. Um, you know, we spent a year, a little over a year, building our systems and our technology and working with our CTO, who, uh, you know, is a guy that we worked with, uh, as I mentioned, at RBS. And he he and, and us and our team um, really have the experience of being operators. You know, I think a lot of a lot of companies in the real estate tech or fintech space are technologists by background. Sure. Um, we we kind of took the other path of, we have an awesome CTO. We had an awesome development team working on this project, but it was really built around users um, understanding what they needed and what they lacked in other platforms, okay. and building all of that into one. So, our system, uh, you know, really runs the life cycle of identification, uh, sourcing, identification, acquisition, um, you know, management of the rehab of a distressed property, and then sale of it on the back end all in one system. Um, you know, other companies that we've seen in this space either are still using Excel and Word documents or they've built a custom system or they've kind of actually probably more likely taken something off the shelf and, um, you know, that system doesn't talk with their accounting system and doesn't talk with, uh, you know, their property management system or their listing system. So we said, you know, there's so many inefficiencies in that model that we want to bring all of that in-house. Um, and and we also had some interesting ideas about how to source properties, okay. uh, which is a, li- a little bit of our secret sauce. So I can't get too much sure, into the sure. weeds on that one. But um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it, the thesis is let's use, utilize data and technology to you know make the process and make the acquisition um, much more efficient. Uh, just just throughout the life cycle of of buying distressed residential real estate across the country. Okay, interesting. So before we kind of dive into it a little bit deeper, I, I'm kind of curious, did you guys all quit your jobs and do this full-time? Because you said it took a year to build, or did you guys start building this while you were still working full-time? No, we quit. We quit. Um, okay. You know, that, and that's that's one of the big selling points we have with our investors and our, our, um, our partners is, look, we, we were... Uh, you know, we were doing well. We were part of the senior management team of a, you know, a company with a couple billion dollar balance sheet oh, wow. uh, doing the same this same strategy. So, we left very, you know, very comfortable jobs and very comfortable lives to to really take this on and and take a stab at this. Um, so, this is this is our lifeblood. This is our livelihood, and and we've we've made that sacrifice to you know, and not only you know, leaving a steady paying job with, with good benefits and all that good stuff, but investing our own money into this development and this platform. Um, you know, we are the three of us, myself, Matt and Rudy. And I, I forgot to mention, we met Rudy at our last company, um, where he was one, he was also one of the senior property investors over there. So, so the, 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 the four or five of us have a very uh, strong core base in, you know, distressed residential real estate. Um, and, and financing and you know acquisitions and all that good stuff, but we've we've invested our own money and we are the largest investor uh, group you know amongst all of our other investors. So sure. this is our our butts are on the line on this one. Okay, very cool. So yeah, just for clarification, I, I think when you say distressed property, it's pretty clear. But what does that kind of mean to you? Does that just mean it needs to be like totally renovated? Does that mean like it needs to be knocked down and rebuilt? Or, or what does that really mean to you guys? Um, it depends. Okay. It typically means that there's something in the, the um, condition of the property that is causing it to not be uh, attractive to an end user, right? So uh, maybe it was, it's been abandoned, it was foreclosed and just abandoned for the last three years because the bank didn't know what to do with it or, um, you know, the person can't afford the maintenance and therefore, you know, selling it to an end user would, would uh, you know, 
it basically it would drastically reduce the buyer base just because it's either not eligible for financing or somebody doesn't want to take on the headache of performing those rehabs. Okay. Um, typically, we won't do ground up, you know, knock a, knock a structure down and, and build it back up. That's okay. just a little more cost and time intensive than, than we like to take on. But we typically look for the house that's, I mean, frankly, we love houses that have been boarded up and, and abandoned. I think okay. there's... You know, not only from a, uh, a, you know, a a return perspective, it's attractive, but it's also attractive because, you know, our core business is community revitalization. Sure. That's what we do, um, okay. and so we we love the story of, you know, going in and buying the house that's been boarded up and vacant, and you know, ha- maybe had some, uh, you know, vandalism or drug use issues or something like that, and coming sure. in and, and you know cleaning it up and, and giving it back to the neighborhood. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times we've gotten letters or just like a knock on the door when our contractor's working along and, and the neighbor is coming up and saying like, thank you so much for doing this. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's rewarding, when we right, first too? start... It, it is. It is. And, and we're actually in the middle of an initiative right now trying to partner with some local nonprofits in the markets in which we operate where we can, um, you know, either uh, veterans uh, okay. related things or, um, you know, housing related uh, nonprofits where we can offer that house to uh, somebody in their community and somebody in their network oh, so that, cool. you know, we're we're providing affordable housing to people who need it, or we're providing affordable housing to veterans, sure. and giving them and you know an early exclusive look at the property. Um, so we're we're in the middle of that process right now. It still hasn't been rolled out, but um, you know w- when we started this thing, we we had the, the you know we had the ability to take a step back and say, look, yes, this is a for-profit business, but it's sure. one that is socially responsible and we want to we want to operate a company that is socially responsible so how do we how do we do this and how do we give back to the communities in which we operate so you know it's it's very um it's rewarding from a return perspective but even more so from a kind of a uh, you know a social good perspective no that's very cool so you kind of have, well, at least I understand it. Like I can sell you my house, or I can kind of get a loan from you. You guys, is that on top of that? that yeah, yeah. That's the that's the public side of the business. So okay. uh, people, if they're if they need to move quickly, or they want to sell their house without the hassle of, you know, going through the two months of maybe fixing some stuff before it's listed, and then you know you you have to leave your house every weekend to have it listed and and right. shown. Um, we will offer people a uh, the ability to you know put your give us all your information. We'll send somebody out to have a look at it, and we'll give you a price. Okay. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a discount to market for that convenience but it but again it's a convenience product sure. that's that's a very small piece of our business um the other side is the lending piece of it we we lend to smaller uh fix and flip investors across the united states okay um that's a that's a much smaller piece of our business and one that we we like but it's just you know that's a, a much much higher uh com- much more competitive environment sure. um, where we think we have the strategic advantage is in the utilizing data and technology to acquire homes across the United States. And that's, that's our core business. But, you know, if you go to our website that you know, almost doesn't says nothing about that because that's kind of like our proprietary trading system gotcha. um, that, that we, that we run the business off of and right. it all, all of those other aspects of it feed off of that system. I got you. Well, and, Realistically, like somebody like myself doesn't have access or or if I'm not like I don't need to have access or know about that side, right? Right, exactly. So I, I without kind of getting maybe like I don't want you to have to like give away anything, but what types of markets are you guys in across America? And it, or is it easier to say which where you're not in currently? Uh, I mean, I can answer both of them. Uh, we are not operating in California. We okay. are not operating in Florida. Okay. Um, we are headquartered. Well, sorry, we're not with any scale. We we buy a couple deals every once in a while in California if we okay. think it's a home run trade. Gotcha. Um, we we think California, if from a macro perspective, is overheated right now. Sure. 
um, you know, we're, we are, we live in California, you know, half of our team lives in California. So it's, um, you know, it would seem logical that we are, but, but the beauty of what we did and, and the fact that we were able to start this thing from scratch and had the, had the, um, you know, the, the benefit and the kind of, um, good fortune of being able to kind of sit there and invest our own money is that we, we had the ability to look at a, at markets across the country and say, where do we want to be? Mm, okay. um, we, 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 part of the system that we built analyzes real-time data from every single market across the country. Okay. So we were watching what's going on in every market from a, a macro perspective and then from a micro perspective in, in each given market. So we 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 tend to look for um, strong growth in population. We tend to look at um, you know what what's going on in relation to the housing crisis. Uh, where where were you in the housing crisis? Where are you in relation to that now? And then a whole bunch of other factors that are built into our algorithms that say uh, you know this market looks much better than this market. So. Um, you know, we're we're currently operating in 11 markets across the country. We're looking okay. to expand into another three or four uh, before the end of the year. Um, but it's all you know, it's a very long process, right? If we go into yeah. a, a new market, we have to send somebody there. We have to vet the local contractors. We have to meet with all of these people. Um, yeah, so sure. it's it's not um, it's not a it is a quick process, I think, from from relatively in the industry but it's not it's not nearly as quick as like you know uber going into a new market it's sure. it's uh it takes a little bit more diligence than that right and you're literally like you don't like you physically don't jump on a plane and go to that market you you have somebody there kind of full-time or or part-time or, or how does that kind of work well initially when we're diligencing it yes we go okay. to that market okay. um but the way we operate is we have a team in-house that's um, you know, career general contractors and, and, you know, guys who have, uh, you know, in their careers, we estimate they've, the, our team has flipped over 3000 houses, uh, wow. not, not as aperture, but, sure. but in their various roles before, um, you know, their job is to manage the process. So, so we manage it internally, but we, we leverage, um, you know, on the ground, contractors, brokers, gotcha. you know, and, and professionals to help us manage that process. And it's all managed in our system. So, gotcha. so they're, they're responsible for reporting on a daily basis what's going on um, on the process. And so that way we can manage it. You know, I mean, literally, we could manage it from anywhere. It's all cloud-based. It's all, um, it's all uh, you know, you log in and, and there's, there's your projects. Got you. No, oh, okay. No, that's, that's cool. So, I want to kind of change gears a little bit. You guys have this property coin and it's propertycoin.re is the, the domain. What exactly is it and why did you guys decide to uh, found it? Well, so it is a digital currency. Um, okay. I think it's maybe currency is the wrong word. There's been a, uh, you know, it started off uh, as a digital currency, it's now shifted towards a digital investment vehicle. Okay. Um, so that's, it's kind of like cryptocurrencies are taking this, there's, there's becoming this fork of utility versus security tokens. And so we, right. we've, we've definitely gone down the security token avenue. Um, it's definitely an investment, but, Makes sense. but to go back, uh, you know, we did this because we saw an opportunity to, take our experience as former investment bankers, uh, specifically focused on the residential real estate uh, world okay. and, and asset-backed securities, uh, take that experience, apply it to the, you know, what was at that time, and I think still is, a bit of the Wild West in terms of cryptocurrency issuances. Sure. Um, and, and uh, you know, we looked at it and we said, look, there's there's a lack of proper asset-backed offerings that the market needs, and and we saw that this is you know this is going to come. Like, there will be a time in the future where where major corporations are issuing asset-backed and security tokens, and we saw we saw that, and I think we we jumped on it early. Um, but we also had a company that needed growth capital. Now, our our business is buying homes. We're not buying T-shirts. It's extraordinarily capital intensive. Yeah. 
so we said, look, we, we're supposed to take a shot at this and issue a, um, a currency or a token that represents a fractionalized ownership of the pool of assets that we go and buy with that money. So we're looking to raise $50 million with this raise. And, you know, if, if uh, somebody buys a couple tokens, their couple tokens represent a fractionalized ownership of that $50 million of initial portfolio. Interesting. Um, and the cool part about it is, um, you know, the crypto world really doesn't have any anything that is naturally appreciating in price. It's all, you know, in my opinion, largely speculative. You know, people sure. people invest in it and try and you know convince other people that this thing is the best thing since sliced bread. But for ours, we are inve- we are reinvesting 100% of the profits that come from that 50 million dollar or initial 50 million dollars. Yeah back into new properties and loans. So unless we don't perform, which we think we will, but you know, there's always a risk in investing, sure. um, that value should increase over time. And your per token share of those assets will also you know, correspondingly increase. So we think it's a really um, innovative project. And, and you know, why did we do it? It's you know it's another source of capital for us, but it's also you know we uh, we felt as though we were innovators in the real estate tech and and fintech space, and so this is kind of like the next level of innovation into the um, you know blockchain and crypto world. Um, and so why not? We, you know we if we can be innovators in a couple different spaces and and really have some some value to being one of the 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 pioneers in this we we should absolutely take that chance no i i think that's great so i i just want to kind of step back for a second for people that don't understand kind of what maybe blockchain or or crypto kind of is do you maybe want to kind of just give a bit of a, a background on on kind of how it kind of works and what exactly it is absolutely um, so the first thing to know is is blockchain is the underpinning of all cryptocurrencies. So so if you think about it, it's kind of like the relationship of the internet to email. Okay. Email is built on top of the internet uh, protocols that basically allow people and computers to talk to each other. So email is just one way with which you can send information across that internet. The same thing holds true um, in you know the very most basic concept of the blockchain and cryptocurrencies. But blockchain is a um, distributed ledger. So basically, it means uh, instead of having server rooms, all you know, Amazon has their their AWS server rooms. Yep. This is leveraging a um, a very complex math equations that allow each person's computer across the world to act like a storage network for that ledger. So if I wanted to send you $5, there's a, you know, an unbelievable amount of computing power out there that's all rushing to calculate and, and solve a math equation that basically proves that I've sent you that $5 or, or vice versa. Gotcha. So that is, each one of those transactions is called a block. Okay. And so Every time a new transaction um, is performed on the network and 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 validated on that network, the previous block becomes the the building block for the next block and gotcha. the next block, and it becomes exponentially harder to break into that initial block because you'd have to go all the way through those pre those those corresponding transactions to to like falsify that initial record and it and so. Uh, without going super geeky sure. on you, you know, I'm I'm starting to get into the weeds a little bit, but um, it basically provides a an immutable um, distributed ledger of transactions. And okay. so, Bitcoin is the the most famous one. Is sure. basically a a transfer of value that because it's out there and millions and millions of people can see that a transaction occurred, there's real value to that. I right. sent you five dollars. Anybody in the world can go on and say, "Oh, hey, Andrew sent five dollars. Gotcha. Cool. That that you know, there's that record. So, so therein is the value. That is, um, there's so many interesting things that are going on in blockchain, and yeah. I think there's so many different use cases of you know, 
building networks, building um, a ways for people to transfer money in poverty-stricken countries that doesn't involve a bank, that doesn't involve a central government that may be corrupt. Uh, there's, there's so many cool things. We're taking it in a different direction. We're taking it in, hey, um, you know, before now, nobody has been able to invest into the fixed U.S. fix and flip space unless you are a, an extremely high net worth individual and you happen to know somebody who's doing it on any scale. Um, you know, we were at the largest operator in this space, and they had a fund that was primarily made up of, of some very high net worth individuals. Okay. So we're saying, let's open up this market to, uh, you know, anybody in the world who wants to invest in this. And, and we can do that because we can issue this token where there's no, there's no you know, transaction, there's limited transaction fees. The ability to transfer that ownership is, is uh, quite simple. You just, you know, if you have an, a wallet address, you know, and you go onto a, a, to a cryptocurrency exchange, you can trade that that ownership of our portfolio with somebody who's, uh, you know, in Thailand or Indonesia or whomever whomever has access to that network can trade this asset. So, you know, we liken it to, you know, if you if you went to, you know, pick any number of the largest hedge funds in the world and wanted to invest in their um, real estate fund, you A, would have to put up a lot of money to do it, sure. and B, it's it's really illiquid. Um, you know, you're going to probably pay a 20% fee if you want to sell that on the back end before they liquidate it. So here, if you want to you want to get out, no problem. There's probably there's hopefully somebody on the other side of the world, or you know maybe down the street that wants to buy it. Sure. So uh, that was a, a very long-winded explanation of wh what it is, but. I hope that was uh, I hope that was informative. No, I, I I think it's good, right? I I don't think you got really too technical. Um, but just to be clear, like like traditional Bitcoin, I can't actually mine your currency. Correct. Uh correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. I just want to make that clear because <laughs> sometimes that gets a little, um, and in, that's an interesting kind of topic. But so, okay. So how? So I go. I I basically. Does it? Do I need a minimum amount to actually um, get kind of buy-in? I guess is the question. So yes, um, for non-U.S. investors, uh, okay. so that's anybody who is not a U.S. citizen or not living in the United States. Okay. Um, you can. Uh, the minimum is one hundred dollars. Okay. So we're selling the the token for three dollars a piece. Minimum is one hundred dollars. Okay. We just need to collect some information on you to make sure that we, uh, you know, abide by all of the, um, an, you know, anti money laundering, you know, your sure. customer anti terrorism, yeah. um, you know, protocols. Yep. Uh, but if you are in the United States, uh, unfortunately, the kind of the current regulatory regime is such that. Um, we must we must limit it to accredited investors. So that means you've had uh, two hundred thousand dollars of uh, income uh, for the last two years and a reasonable assurance that you will continue that, okay. or a million dollars worth of assets that uh, does not include your primary residence. So okay. in the U.S., it's it's much more restrictive than non-U.S. Um, and that's you know regrettable that we have to go down that path, um, but it's it's. Um, you know, it's the kind of the catch twenty two of living in this world right now, where it's still, it's still somewhat uncertain. I think I think the SEC is doing a good job of of staying on top of this and and being receptive to change, potentially changes to that, but it's it's still a long ways off. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that being kind of a huge issue, right? But because there's only a fraction of the population that meets those, right? Yeah, and it's so it's so counter um it's so counter to the general like thesis of this whole thing is that, you know, Bitcoin was created to allow for a transfer of wealth amongst people who who didn't didn't want to be part of the traditional system and there's a whole host of other currencies that do just that. Um and unfortunately, by limiting it to accredited investors, we kind of we we're we're leaving out all the people that that could benefit from this um and until such time as the regulatory oversight and regime of it 
changes, we're we're beholden to that. Sure. You know, it's it wouldn't be our choice if we if we had our druthers. No, that makes sense. That's that's interesting. Um, okay, so I'm I'm curious though to like how did you guys kind of come up with the idea? Because I, I get that like it maybe changed a little from kind of the maybe your original kind of idea, but and and now that you guys are kind of up and live and people can go buy these things, I'm I'm kind of fascinated to know like how you came up with this. <laughs> it was a it was a it's a fun story. Okay. Um, we so Matt grew up in Michigan. Okay. Um, his best one of his two best friends growing up is uh, runs a uh, IT and um, you know basically tech support company for area hospitals in uh, the Denver area and the mountain area in Colorado. So okay. he's, he's a technologist guy, loves all this stuff, and one of um, his former coworkers had moved, um, his wife is a cancer researcher, and so she had moved to uh, Switzerland, Zurich. Okay. And he was just a you know, technologist by nature, loved getting into this stuff, and had been an early adopter of, of Bitcoin. And so he kind of just so happened to find himself in the center of, um, the, you know, the crypto valley. So okay. Zug, Switzerland, is the what's called the crypto valley. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, any of those the big name crypto uh, people or funds or just developers that you, that you've everybody's heard of is in Zug, Switzerland. Sure. And so he kind of happened to find that find himself in that area and became quite friendly with a lot of interesting people and. We were just touching base with him, um, you know, just because we were doing some cool stuff in real estate tech. He was doing some cool stuff in cryptocurrency, and Matt's mutual friend put us in touch, and, and it just kind of like the idea sparked of like, That's you know, cool. he said he said this is this is really interesting, and and uh, you know, this is game changing in terms of just the, the transfer of value and wealth, and and we said, well, my God, this is game changing in terms of the ability to transfer securities and tokenize assets and so we just started we just started kind of brainstorming and and realized that we could do this um and we could we could have a real impact on on the world in the way this this whole industry um develops and so that's it's been we started that last summer so june july of 2017 we started those conversations and it's been uh, you know, nine plus months of, of kind of working on it and developing it to get it to where it is today. Sure. No, that's really cool. Do you, ha by chance, happen to know Ian Simpson? He runs the blockchain competition over there? You know, I I don't, but okay. I, I've heard his name thrown around. Okay. Um, and we're actually applying to be part of the, there, there, there is a blockchain competition for real estate and finance specifically. And I don't know if that's the one that he's running, but we are applying to be uh, a part of that as, you know, kind of the competition for, you know, whatever best blockchain real estate project of the year. Sure. No. Okay. That's cool. No. Okay. So that, that's actually quite fascinating. So I, I'm curious though, to kind of, it's on sale right now. You're doing this initial offering, and and part of the reason I'm asking is because I'm kind of selfishly curious. Um, what happens after after July 31st? So uh, July 31st, hopefully we will have sold everything. We'll okay. sold, sold all 50 million. Okay. Um, we will. Uh, there is because this is a security token. There is a one-year period where people have to hold um, the tokens. Okay. So we are. Um, we are right now in. Um, we're, we've announced that we're going to be partnering with a firm called T Zero. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. No, or I've never heard of them. To be honest are. with you. So they are kind of like the leader in um, building security token exchanges. So oh, okay. listings that are exclusive for security tokens because they have all sorts of restrictions and limitations on them. It's much different than just going to Coinbase or right. uh, you know any of the major exchanges. Uh, so we have we've announced that we're going to partner with them. Um, they are still kind of working on their platform and their system. They they hope to be live in September October of this year. Okay. 
but we'll um, after that year's time, our token will be free for trading on hopefully you know not just their platform, but other uh, you know security token platforms that we're working with. Um, haven't yet formalized anything with any of those other ones, but we we are working on that. Okay. Um, and then it's open for trading. So we're going to um, you know because there's that one year whole period, we're going to kind of run the business. We're going to buy those properties. We're going to invest them, and then we're going to reinvest the profits into that. So. The hope being that by the, by that one year time frame, and and again, this is all subject to our ability to make profitable trades. And sure. you know, I, I my lawyers would would yell at me if I didn't say this is uh, you know, consult your make do your own diligence and consult your your advisors and and all that good stuff. But we hope to have by that year's time, turn that fifty million dollars, um, you know twice or if not twice maybe close to twice because our average hold time is four to six months so we would hope that the value of that token would be uh, or the the pool would be more than that 50 million dollars and therefore there's just an initial increase in the price but um, it it will be fully tradable on on those security token exchanges and and um, and you know available for uh, transfer across the globe okay and and I guess like I don't mean to sound negative, but what happens if you don't raise the full amount? Uh, we'll we'll just use whatever we raise, and we will um, we will operate. You know, we okay. we uh, we have no shortage of opportunity. Um, our system analyzes, identifies, and analyzes over thirty five hundred properties a day in oh, our wow. uh, eleven eleven markets across the country. So you know, we don't we obviously. A, all of those 3,500 are not in distress, um, right. nor are they. Do they look like great deals? But even you know, we kind of typically whittle that down and and are submitting bids every day. So there's no shortage of properties to buy. So you know, if we raise 15 million or if we raise five million, we're going to take that money and we're going to do exactly what we say we're going to do. And hopefully, in a year's time, we'll have um, we'll have uh, you know, proven ourselves, right? We'll have those those um, that track record of profits and and you know the growing the value of the coin and you know hopefully if if uh, if the market's kind to us, we'll come back and say here's property coin too and and hey look we did it already we told you you know we told you we we're gonna do it we did it uh, you know who wants in on the next round so it's it's kind of like look it would be uh, disappointing uh, but not not discouraging. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Okay. No, that's interesting. So I, I guess for, for people that maybe, um, what, what's the difference between kind of this, uh, like this kind of coin, different offering compared to like just a traditional kind of investing? Um, it's really the form that in which your uh, your ownership is represented, right? Okay. So in traditional investing, you're either investing in a stock or a bond, and that's evidenced by a stock certificate or a bond certificate. Um, this is your your ownership is represented by a um, a token and a, on a smart you know a smart contract that says this you know this wallet ID owns three tokens and that's worth this price because that's what the market tells you it is. So instead of going to uh, you know TD Ameritrade or Merrill Lynch and seeing your statement that mm-hmm. way, you're going to your wallet and seeing your statement that way. Okay. Um, it really it really all it is is um, you know disintermediating maybe is a bad word, but it's just a different form of ownership than it is um, uh, than it, than really anything because we took from a structural perspective and a documentation perspective we took all of the best practices of our of our kind of former lives of you know uh you know this entity has its own bank account it has its own entity with which it uh you know purchases properties you know that's really really important for governance issues there's no commingling of funds sure. um, on our side so from the governance perspective, it looks no different. From the ownership perspective, that's where the, the change is versus kind of the traditional world. Okay. No, I, I thought it was kind of interesting to, to mention that because I, I think it I think the the whole space is so new that people just don't just don't know and, and so sometimes they don't maybe 
do some of these new ways to actually invest their money. Um, you know, so I, I thought it was worth mentioning. The other thing that I'm curious about, though, is where do you kind of see maybe the crypto kind of block sp- blockchain space kind of going? Like, because you're you're in it, right? You guys are doing this. Like, how do, where oh, do yeah. you have any kind of you know things that you've been thinking about that where this could all kind of go? Uh, yeah. I mean, look, we we were talking to some. So L, we're we're in L.A. Yeah. Uh, there was a huge crypto conference in L.A. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, and we were talking okay. to somebody yesterday who. Um, Look, I think there's two distinct camps, right? There's there's people who love the traditional utility space of it. So, you know, actually either buying products and services or using the network for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and that token represents the, the ability to utilize that network. Um, but we, we were talking to somebody and asked her yesterday, and she's a, she's, you know, a prominent investor in the space and okay. said, what, what kind of really interests you? Um, just from a fun, you know, just from a utilization or just an interesting project. And mm-hmm. she said the application of virtual reality and blockchain together is is really something quite cool. Um, she was talking about a company that uh, it's called Wave. Um, okay. And it's basically they, they provide virtual uh, raves. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a raver, but it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Like you put on your VR headset and you are transported into a, a club, a rave club, and you can, uh, you know, do some somewhat maybe nefarious things in that, that are associated with raves. Uh, and you can talk to your friends and, and interact and transfer, you know, Using your tokens, you can transfer, um, you know, uh, shares in in certain things that are involved in that rave, like changing music or or doing other things, um, but on a social perspective, right? So that the social aspect of it is really cool, and it's all captured on the blockchain. So so the implementation of of blockchain as a... a, um, ledger for those transactions and those interactions um, is pretty cool. I think um, another another very cool use case is identity and um, you know credit scoring. You know the, the the traditional methods of gathering data on people for for credit is uh, you know is is very centralized mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes can be really hard to prove if um, you know there's identity theft that's occurred. So creating an immutable store of your personal data that's only available to the people that you want it to be available to is a really interesting thing. And then the ability of other service providers, credit providers, to to access data about you um, that may be more insightful as to your ability to repay debt, that's pretty cool. But I think from our perspective, I see a huge wave coming um, in the tokenization of assets. I think we're very early on in this, but you know, you're starting to see the Goldman Sachs of the world, the the Barclays of the world, you know, dipping their toe into what's going on with cryptocurrencies and what's going on with blockchain and how do we tokenize assets? I mean, we we went to um, you know, in February the largest uh, securities conference for asset back and structure finance. Okay. Um, and and we were just kind of spreading the word of what we were doing and a lot of people were very interested um you know you know Ernst and Young mentioned us on a panel as like kind of the up and coming asset backed and and tokenizing assets uh project to take a look at sure. but but that level of company is really looking quite hard at this and I think what you'll start to see in the next 3 to 5 years real assets you know anything from art to uh uh, real estate to wine to just you know diamonds anything that needs to be traced and tracked and can be can be done easily and quickly and efficiently and and you know reduce costs of doing so you'll start to see asset backed um, tokens coming uh, in some serious size in the next few years. Interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think it, it's actually quite fascinating where I think we're at kind of the very very beginning of all this stuff and the fact that just the security component around this whole thing, and I'd probably security expert would probably argue with me maybe uh, a bit around mm-hmm. it, but like 
for for the most part, like I think it's way more secure than a lot of the stuff that we currently have now. Um, and so it it just kind of seems to make sense to move into these industries where people want instant verification for whatever they're trying to buy, right? Or be able to provide instant verification for themselves. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think I think the one. So especially in real estate, I mean, it is the single largest asset class in the world. Sure. And uh, it's so ubiquitous, right? Everybody needs housing. Everybody needs an office space. Everybody needs a storage space. Everybody, it's just, it's it's so fundamental to our, our lives that mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, the inevitability of it coming onto the blockchain is just, is staggering. I think you'll see... You'll see groups like us doing the, you know, uh, how to tokenize assets, mm-hmm. um, either either large scale into in, you know, a single building like tokenizing the Empire State Building or uh, the World Trade Center or you know something like that or the fund structure like we're going for. But I think the the biggest nut to crack and the one that's going to be probably the hardest and longest to come to fruition is how do I tokenize my individual house. How do I sell the record of my transaction? I want to sell my house to somebody else and put that on the blockchain. That's a huge project and one that is a complete game changer when somebody figures that out. And, and there's been projects that have tried to do it. Um, you know, Cook County, Illinois tried to do it. Um, you know, it it, it worked, it, but it the problem in the U.S. is it's not only state specific; it's county specific. Oh, so. Wow. You, you you have to have adoption of each individual county and and there has to be some agreement and and again you know it's a challenge because it goes it kind of goes against the the whole constitution of the United States a bit you know the whole idea that states and and local rights are are uh tantamount is kind of contradictory to this whole you know everybody's on one ecosystem so so you know maybe uh cook county wants to do it on an ethereum blockchain and somebody else wants to do it on a different blockchain how do you make those those systems talk to each other it's it's that is a unbelievably massive challenge and you know certainly above my pay grade to try and figure that (laughs) out um but what you know, we want to be. If somebody's looking to do that and they hear this, we want to be supportive and we we want to help out. So uh, we're open to doing that. But uh, that that is the game changer right there in the real estate world. I think you'll you'll see folks like us and folks trying to do large scale commercial uh, be much more successful before that happens. Yeah, interesting. And just getting the right connections to even move into that space and start having the conversation and there's probably just a ton of education that needs to happen, right? Like I think majority of people at this point have heard of Bitcoin. Um, I think a lot of people have no idea what it really is, how they get it, et cetera. So I I think a lot of times it's just, you're gonna spend a ton of time educating and then there's gonna be tons of meetings about it. And then you're right, like all deciding what they're gonna do and what they're gonna pick, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's a big hurdle. Yep. Interesting. So we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but I want to make sure, is there anything else that maybe we didn't cover today that you kind of wanted to mention? No, yeah, well, sure. Uh, You know, the one thing, one of the biggest questions that we get is, you know, real estate has has always been, A, technologically, you know, maybe I'll, I'll say in the Stone Age, sure. uh, but also that it, it's hyper local, right? And people okay. say, well, how the, how the heck can you manage properties from California that are in Nashville or in Memphis? Sure. Um, and you know, the answer is technology allows us to do that. Um, we we do leverage boots on the ground people that we've worked with and we've vetted, um, but this is a model that there's very few competitors in this space, and we you know our intent is to make this. Um, you know, our last company was the largest operator in the space doing this on a national basis. There's one other person who's doing it, it, it really on a national basis. And we want to be the third. Um, so $50 million to us seems like actually uh, 
kind of a small amount, but we want to be reasonable and thoughtful in our growth. Uh, you know, we don't want to we don't want to grow this thing uh, just astronomically and and you know all of a sudden be producing unprofitable trades or or not as profitable as we as we know we can be. Sure. So. You know, a lot of people ask us, is you know, is this a scalable business? And the answer to that is you know, absolutely. And we know how to do it. We've we've done it at, you know, at scale before. So, sure. um, you know, that that's kind of like my my parting statement on on Aperture as a scalable business because we get that question a lot. Interesting. Well, but I I think the fact that you're using data makes it like really helps that right. Like if in some ways I think it's better. And makes it oh, yeah. way easier. Like I think that's the thing that people don't understand is like you don't even need to be in the same country at this point if you have the data. Is right. that kind of a fair statement to say? I, I, yeah, I think you know certainly from a process management standpoint, it's that's absolutely true. You you do need to get people you trust on the ground, and you have to be sure. diligent about vetting local operators, but. Um, to the extent that you have that, and we have, we think we have built a system that that allows us to do that. Um, you're right; it, it, you don't need to be in the same, the you know, the same zip code, the same state, the same country. Um, as long as you know how to do it and run that process efficiently, and have the tools with which you can do it, which we do. Uh, we, yeah, it's it's. I don't want to go so far as saying it's easy because it's not, no, but it's, it's, uh, it's incredibly it, difficult. It's, <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a, it works. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And maybe let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about Aperture and PropertyCoin. Yeah, um, so Aperture.re and PropertyCoin.re are the websites. Um, we are on social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Telegram, LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's all, all of them are Aperture underscore RE or Property underscore RE. But if you find one, there's links to all of them. Um, actually, they're all, there are links to them all on our webpage. So either of those webpages work. Sure. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day, man. Likewise. Thanks so much. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. To join the free community, buy some merch, sponsor the show, or sign up for the newsletter, please visit the website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.